Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel lesson is written in the first chapter of John, beginning at the 10th verse. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Christmas. If there's one season that invites memories, this is it. The traditional church calendar extends the Christmas celebration through our worship this weekend, recognizing this whole holiday week is special. Many of you have had family visiting from out of town, and your rejoicing has indeed extended beyond December 25th, while you make some new memories as this year of 2018 winds down. I find deep enjoyment in revisiting Christmas's past, remembering beautiful moments. Each year, my mind returns to Midwestern Decembers as a child and the time spent with those I've dearly loved. I drift back to my grandparents' living room, warm and crowded with relatives, children sitting on laps receiving hugs, the tiny ones being passed from one set of arms to the next. Every year, I eagerly greet the moment when the Christmas tree goes up, taking out the tree decorations. I touch those tender memories of my past, handling ornaments that were made by my grandmother, hanging ones once unwrapped with the help of my little daughter, now a grown woman with children of her own. So today, we again pause and worship we celebrate that God has taken on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. The moment is holy. To understand how holy it is, we must ponder why Jesus has been born. To understand the depth of holiness, we must remember that the story of Jesus does not end with Christmas. The birth is just the beginning. To understand why that birth is so precious, we must know the rest of the story. When we contemplate the birth of Jesus, we're not just marking a 2,000-year-old event in history. We're celebrating a truth about God. Jesus Christ is not just some great guy who said wise things. He is God God in the flesh. 
knit together with muscle and blood and bone. This baby in a manger is unlike any other child. He is God in human form. He has two natures then. He's both truly God and truly man. God values flesh and blood people so much that he takes on flesh and blood. The elements of this painting foreshadow what will come. Jesus is born to die. He's born to die for you and me. His sacrificial death on the cross will be a ransom for our filthy sins. And you and I will be washed clean through our faith in him as our Savior. What we see at first glance here, however, is a very pretty picture. It has the familiar elements we expect to see in a nativity scene. A beautiful young Mary gazes adoringly at her sweet, chubby baby. Joseph, clad in yellow and gray, gazes over Mary's shoulder in the upper right. A shepherd leans in next to Joseph. Although it makes no sense biblically to have the wise men there at the same time as the shepherd, we see the three regally attired wise men bringing their gifts in on the left. In the background, a cave-like enclosure houses the traditional ox and ass we expect to see in a nativity scene. Their heads are just barely visible between Mary's shoulder and Joseph's elbow. You may be noticing a couple of things that don't seem to be traditional, yet they have great meaning. The painter Franz von Roten has some important theological points to make. This joyous birth is not the end of the story. Jesus has been born for a purpose, and the artist wants you to remember what that purpose is. Do you see the two women on the right? They are offering a bowl of fruit. It looks like a humble gift compared to the golden frankincense and myrrh being offered by the wise men. But these women are not just bringing Mary a healthy snack after childbirth. Whenever we see fruit in a nativity scene, we are to be reminded of the first time in Holy Scripture we read about fruit. And when was that? In the Garden of Eden. The eating of the forbidden fruit in the garden was the first sin. Now Jesus Christ has been born to deal with the sin of the world. We're subtly reminded here of what he will do to address the problem of sin. He will suffer and die on a cross. So in the middle of the celebration of holy birth, we tune into the death to come and the reason for it. Are you noticing the little lamb at the bottom of the painting? This is the big element of symbolism, and the artist is not pulling any punches here. 
He places it front and center. In nativity scenes, the shepherds usually have a sheep or two with them. At first glance, them are not surprised to see a little lamb. But this one is not frolicking around their feet. It is bound for slaughter. Do you see the crossed legs and the tether around them? In the Bible, the lamb saves, but it only saves through dying, through its blood. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, God makes a covenant with his people to protect them from death in Egypt. He instructs them to take the blood of a lamb and put it on the doorposts of their houses. God promises his people to protect them from destruction. The lamb's blood is an outward sign of their faithfulness to God. When death comes at midnight throughout Egypt, the houses marked with lamb's blood will be passed over, and the faithful will be saved. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, when Jesus begins his ministry, John the Baptist announces, Behold the Lamb of God. Jesus is the new Lamb. Jesus will grow up to be the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. His death on the cross will be the final sacrifice that pays the price for the sins of all humanity. Now I'm going back to the previous slide to make the next point because you really need to see the detail for this symbolism. Look at the position of the legs of the lamb. Now look at the legs of baby Jesus. Pulled up a bit and crossed. His position subtly echoes that of the bound lamb. Mary holds a white cloth which curves under Jesus in a way that suggests the curves of the white fleece of the lamb. It's subtle, but significant. This little baby is the lamb of God, bound for death. It's a reminder not to focus on the preciousness and innocence of Christmas because it's just the beginning of a longer story. The Christmas Jesus becomes the crucified Jesus. When we remember this, we remember that the real gift of Christmas is salvation. And that salvation will be won by death on a cross. Most often in these nativity scenes, baby Jesus is naked. Seems like he'd be cold. Why doesn't Mary swaddle him up and keep him warm? There's a reason for this. The infant Jesus is unwrapped to show his human body, displaying that he is truly human in the flesh as well as being God. Christmas is all about the Word made flesh. It's the holy and divine made human. 
Only Christianity says the divine creator of the world has humbled himself, coming as a babe, taking on human flesh. Jesus is the great counselor, the wonderful counselor. Christ knows what we face, what we must endure. He can help those tempted because he's been tempted. He understands you. He's been where you are. Are you lonely, grief-stricken, betrayed, rejected? He's been there. Are you facing death? He's been there. He's the wonderful counselor. Trust to him. Trust him. Go to him with what you've got. Now, some folks will say, well, I went to the Lord. I poured out my prayer, but he denied my prayer. Jesus Christ has experienced that too. Jesus knows that abandonment in the Garden of Gethsemane. With every fiber of being, he pours out his prayer. Take this cup from me. A big prayer that got a big no. Christmas means that Jesus has been here. Here where we face the struggles, the misery, the hurt. He knows what all this feels like. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. You can go to him with anything. You can ask for forgiveness for anything. He's our wonderful counselor and our savior. All our sin is nailed to the cross with him. He pays the price so that we are not just sinners anymore. We are redeemed from our sin. He did what we cannot do for ourselves, wiping away the guilt of sin. The greatest gift of this season is not wrapped in pretty paper placed under a Christmas tree. It hangs on the rough wood of the cross. Everything we celebrate about the birth of Jesus points to this. After his death on the cross, Jesus is resurrected and he is alive. We do not worship some long-dead prophet or wise man. We worship the living God, the living God who was born and laid in a manger. The living God who walked among us teaching and healing. The living God who loves us and gives us life. Salvation is a gift to all of us who believe in Christ as our Savior. We do nothing to deserve the forgiveness and ultimately eternal life we receive in faith from him. And so we celebrate. We celebrate his coming. We have joy that Jesus has been born. And we remember Christmas is just the beginning of the story. Amen.